What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of Weekly Walk-Off on the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And we are ready for our second edition of this podcast where we are bringing on a team-specific person. We are joined by Lucas Weiss, host of a Blue Wire Hustle podcast called Weiss Sports Chronicles. Lucas, we're psyched to talk about the Blue Jays. Thanks so much for being here. Really excited to be here, Emma and Patrick. Let's let's get after it. Awesome. So we mentioned it right before we hit record. The Blue Jays are in a pretty good spot right now. Tied for second in the AL East, 20 and 16. They finally got up to where the, the Yankees are, who are also in a very good stretch of their own. But Lucas, just give us your general thoughts on we're almost halfway through March. We're a season and uh, a month and a half in, excuse me. Where are you feeling? Where's the temperature right now on this Toronto team? Well, I would say, Emma, considering what this team has gone through injuries-wise, that this is better than expected. I mean, when you're losing George Springer, who, you know, there was a lot of excitement. The Jays signed him to their largest contract in franchise history. And then he he misses the start of the season. He comes back and then gets, you know, re-injures the quad, now back on the I.L., but not to mention Springer, you have a lot of pitchers, too, that are on the I.L. as well. Currently, 12 players right now on the I.L. So to say to me that, that the Blue Jays are, are over 500, right in the mix in the A.L. East, the, the Blue Jays fans got to be very excited. And, and, and the fact that this is a team that, given all their injuries, the fact that they're not playing in Toronto, they're playing in Dunedin, Florida because of the pandemic, They've been on the road for the majority of the season. For them to be on a 90-win pace right now, if things keep going as the way they are, that's incredible. And, and, and you can't ask for much more than that. And, and, and I just think with, with the way this team is going right now, it's things are just going to get better, assuming that all the bodies come back and all of them reach their full, full, full potential. So very exciting. The yeah. injury bug has just been horrible lately, too. I mean, right. I'm sorry to cut you off, Pat, no. but it seems like every team. I think the Brewers at one point had 16 or 17 players. The fact that any of these teams can even accumulate wins should be what we're emphasizing and prioritizing yeah. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> it really is a baseball-wide issue. It's not just Blue Jays-specific, right? Um, but – I think hopefully things, you know, when, when, when the players come back from injuries and hopefully they stay healthy, like I think that's the priority right now. It's the running joke in Toronto. I mean, can you just find a way to stay healthy game to game and month to month? I think there's a lot to be excited about with this young core. Yeah, I completely agree. I think a lot that has to deal with that is just how different it is for the players' bodies going from that 60-game sprint right. and now having to elongate yourself getting back to that 162-game schedule. But as we were talking about, Toronto's off to a really nice start. I think, as you said, I think Blue Jay fans have to be really happy to be sitting there where they are. What surprised you the most so far from this Blue Jays team? What aspect of it, a player that has really stuck out to you? Well, I'll see a couple players. I mean, one for me is Randall Gritchick. I mean, Randall Gritchick was someone who the Blue Jays acquired. They they resigned him a couple years ago. And a lot of the, you know, Blue Jays fan base criticized the front office for doing that because they, you know, he came from St. Louis and he was this guy that 
you know, people thought was, you know, an average player, but was not going to be, you know, anything to, to write home about in terms of his production. But what he's been able to do this year, I mean, leading the team in RBIs right now with 28, he's been very good in the outfield in, in, in replace of, of George Springer at the moment. Like the fact that he's hitting this well, they the Blue Jays have to keep him. Like I think one of the things going into the season once George Springer came on board was, well, Randall Grichik might have to be the odd man out in that outfield with Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. But the way that Randall's been hitting very successfully thus far, really got to rethink that because he's an important part of this lineup, particularly in getting those clutch hits. And then another player I think that's really done well for me has been Steven Matz. He's leading the, the Blue Jays pitching core right now with five wins. I think the pitching was always going to be a question mark for this Blue Jays team entering the regular season. We knew they had Hanjin Ryu, and he's been great as the number one option. But then what was going to happen options two through five? And I know that Steven Matz has struggled a couple outings in, in, in the last little bit, but the, the fact that he's been able to, to really put together some solid outings and giving the Blue Jays a chance in games has been very impressive thus far. So I'm going to go with Grichik and, and, and on, on the hitting side and then Matt's on the pitching side. Pat, I have to add, does that make you happy? Pat is a Mets fan. I am a Mets fan. And we're seeing the 2016 <laughs> version of Steven Matz emerge for a different team. No, I, I am happy for him. It, it it wasn't working in New York. And the big thing was the home run rate. Last year in limited yeah. innings, he had a four home run per nine rate, which is just mind-boggling. And he's really cut that down. He's back to about 1.5, which is about his career average. So I think Matt's being able to keep the ball in the yard has been so helpful for the Blue Jays. And listen, is he a top-line starter? No, but can he give you yeah. some really solid innings? Absolutely. And I'm yeah. so I'm personally taking the analyst hat off of it, happy to see him having some success in Toronto. Yeah, yeah no doubt. I mean, and, and, and I think that was the concern going in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to get those, you know, you know, home runs down and, and, you know, hard hit balls down, which he has done. And we'll see what happens if, if the Blue Jays do end up making a move at the trade deadline where he fits into that whole rotation or the patchwork that Charlie Montoya likes to describe of, of, of you know, pitch, pitchers going out and, and pitching. But He's an option, right? And, and he's becoming a more reliable option for for this team. And that's definitely a reason to be optimistic. For, yeah. for sure. And on the Mets side, Sean Reed Foley came back in that deal. And he has put in some really solid innings uh, from the bullpen for the Mets so far. So I think both sides are pretty happy. A mutual win. That's good to see. Yeah, yeah. As, as we stand here on May 13th, I would say both teams are happy. <laughs> you rarely see that. Mm-hmm. Rarely see both sides happy. I want to transition to the, the pitching staff as a whole. But just to go back to the Grichuk point, Lucas, you literally took the words out of my mouth. A month ago, I was saying Randall Grichik is going to be the hottest commodity at the trade deadline, besides some of the pitching names like Herman Marquez, those type of guys. But the way that Grichik was hitting at the beginning of the season, he's continued that on. He's not a guy that the Blue Jays can be without right now. I mean, I I, I think at the beginning of the year, I would have prioritized Lourdes Gurriel over him. But I can't imagine a situation unless the benefits of trading him are astronomical of a way that the Blue Jays can be without Gritchick. Yeah, I mean, because you're, you're absolutely right. Like, like, that was sort of what the narrative was heading into the season was right. he was going to be dealt at the deadline. Now, 
You're right. I mean, I, I think if the Blue Jays were in sort of like, okay, like we're one or two pieces away from like winning the World Series and Gritchett could provide that for you, then, then the Blue Jays may be more likely to make that move. But I don't think that's where the Blue Jays are necessarily are right now. I mean, they're, they're a good team. They're going to become, you know, a, a really good team. There's a lot more to see with a lot of the guys, the younger guys, how they develop. And I think having just an experienced player on this team, similar to sort of what Marcus Simeon provides as well, is very important. So, you know, the fact that Randall is is hitting well, I mean, you know, the you know he has six homers, 28 RBIs on, on, on the season with a .772 OPS. Like, you can't, you, you can't ignore that. And I think once you add George Springer back into this lineup, like, hitters one through six are just going to be very tough to face for, for opposing pitchers, but you know, really love what Randall Gritchick has done thus far. Yeah. I have a quick question just because you said that where does Kevin Biggio fit in that top six? Is he there or is he out of it right now? I would say right now he's probably out of it. So like okay. I would say Springer, Bichette, Guerrero Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, Semi and Gritchick, so like that's okay. your top six. Then maybe, you know, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. would most likely be your seven. Then you have sort of Cavan and then, you know, whoever the catcher is. Hopefully Alejandro Kirk, when he comes back, yeah. I think he's a really unique option at that nine spot, knowing that Springer's up behind you. But Cavan Bijou's been improving as of late. Like I think the last, you know, you know, in Houston, he got a home run in front of his dad, Craig Bijou, which was awesome. Um, he's a lot more patient at the plate right now. I think he, he's starting to find that rhythm again, which is good. But right now, I, I would say he's probably a seventh or eighth spot. Yeah. Just given how well the other guys are just hitting right now above him. Every time I watch the Blue Jays, I'm just thinking when Biggio comes around, this offense is going to be unstoppable because it yeah. has taken him a long Very time. Even, yeah, even somebody like Bichette wasn't playing that well to begin the season. Once we hit May, a lot of these guys – started to get into their grooves. And I think that's pretty league wide, but this could be one of the most complete offenses in the league. And they showed that they had a top five offense last year too. For sure. And, and it's funny you say that because Bo was saying today after the game, like everyone is sort of on the offense sort of clicked at different times mm. throughout the start of the season. And, and they haven't sort of collectively been at their potential yet, which is, I think, accurate but also scary for the rest of the league because I think when they do sort of all round into form and get to that collective you know potential it's going to be like what the Blue Jays were in 2015 and 16 yeah. where they're like you know hitting you know getting eight nine ten runs a game and it's just like you know how I mean how do you stop this team who do you who do you pitch to who do you walk to because it's just it's just so dominant yeah, they are so fun to watch, and they're only going to become more fun to watch once those uh, once Springer's back and, and going through it. Uh, an interesting point for this Blue Jays team going into the season, a lot was made with the Kirby Yates injury going down, Tommy John surgery out for the season. Their bullpen is currently sitting there with the fifth-best ERA in all of baseball. Lucas, how do you think they've been able to really piece that together to turn what looked like a glaring weakness going into the season into one of the, their strengths? Well, I just think the guys that they've been able to patch together have, 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 have just delivered. I mean, you look at a guy like Jordan Romano, for example, he has a 2.53 ERA. He's someone that I saw last year really take a, 
take a step forward, but he's even more so taking that step forward. And, and what I really like about him, Patrick, is after the games, like he's saying, like, the bigger the situation, the better I want to deliver. And, and and I think that, you know, those are the type of guys that you want on your team. And it also helps that, you know, he's from Markham, Ontario, which is also, you know, great as well, you know, fellow Canadian. But, you know, you, know, you look at, you know, the, you know, the way Rafael Dolis, Tim Meza, uh, Tyler Chatwood has has performed. I mean, Julian Mer- Merriweather, it's too bad that he got injured because he was dealing like 98, 99 mile per hour fastballs as the closer to start the season, which was like very unexpected, but also really great to see. So I just think that the, that the bullpen has really kept this team in games. They, you know, sure, they may give up a run or two there, but it's not like, you know, you have these just huge innings where you give up four, five, six runs, sort of like what the Braves have had to deal with these last three games against the Blue Jays. So I think that's been very great for this team, and, and hopefully it continues because I just think that the way baseball is going, like where starting pitchers aren't going long or having lengthy outings, you're going to need your bullpen arms, and you're going to need a lot of bullpen arms. I just think for the Blue Jays, the one caveat I would say is while the bullpen is doing well now, you don't want to overuse them early in this season, especially when you get to the more important games in August, September, and hopefully October. Yeah, I want to get back to that point because they have been very taxed. But going back to the stuff you said at the beginning, that's such a good answer because I can't imagine a better spot than when a team has to go through the the next man up mentality. When one of the best storylines in baseball, Julian Merriweather had to go on the IL, all these other guys go down and they're still four games above 500. Imagine when all these guys come back and you have a fully functioning, healthy offense and starting rotation and bullpen, then everything's going to start to go right. But of course, because they've had to take so much on, you do worry a bit down the stretch, but I want to shift to starting pitcher now pitchers now. We talked about Matt's being in 2016 form. We talked about, oh, I want to talk about Robbie Ray being back in 2017 all-star form, truly out of nowhere. I thought the starting rotation would be what kept the, the Blue Jays out of the playoff race. I definitely didn't expect the Red Sox to be this good. I expected the Yankees to be better. I thought the Blue Jays would be somewhere in the middle. I knew Ryu was the ace, but having... Uh, Ray as this type of option, having Matt as this type of option, and then knowing that Nate Pearson mm-hmm. is waiting in the wings. He didn't have a great outing, but where are you on this starting rotation now? And what do you think their ceiling can be? Well, the ceiling can be very high. I mean, you, you mentioned Nate Pearson, and you're right. He didn't have that great start. I mean, Alec Manoa, too, is coming. And, and this is a guy in AAA Buffalo, 2 and 0. 17 innings pitched, 17 strikeouts, hasn't given up a run yet. So he's dealing in Buffalo as well. So I think there's a lot of excitement with the younger guys. Like once they they do come up, I think there is an emphasis from the front office after what they saw with Pearson to be a little bit patient, right? You don't want to rush that development process a little little too too early because you want to see what these guys have to do in Buffalo and then hopefully translate that to the big leagues. But to answer your question just about the starters, I mean, obviously you're right. I mean, Ryu's been Ryu. I, I think you're, you have a very stable number one option there. But I still do think that, you know, it, it is a bit early to see, okay, like what the rotation is going to uh, shake out once August, September rolls around. But 
you can't help but be excited about what we, we talked about Matt's what Robbie Ray has done. And Robbie Ray, similar to see the Matt's had that problem last year where he gave up a lot of hard hit balls, a lot of homers, which is still a little bit of an issue for him, but he's definitely done a better job using more um, of the fastball, a little less of the slider, but whenever he uses that slider, it, 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 he even says it, it's a weapon for him because he's, you know, he's, he's definitely improving that pitch for him. But I still think like a lot of teams in the AL, Emma and Patrick, the Blue Jays are about a pitcher, starting pitcher or two short from being like a, a contender. And I think a lot of teams in the AL right now are, are figuring that out. Like, okay, we may have one really good pitcher, but then what's the rest of our rotation look like? And I think that's what's going to make the trade deadline fascinating because I feel like there's going to be a lot of teams wanting pitchers, but the question is what pitchers are going to be available Mm -hmm. and can the Blue Jays capitalize on that? Because I think if they can add another arm here with the, the likes of Pearson and Manoa hopefully coming into the mix towards the end of the season, it's going to be very, it's going to be a very exciting uh, playoff run for sure. It's dangerous. I have a lot of faith in Pearson. I know he struggled in that first outing, but I have very high expectations for him from the snippets that we've seen that arm, that stuff, it plays. I I know he had the control issues, um, but I think he's going to be a big weapon down the stretch. And I completely agree. I do want to see them go out and add a pitcher, uh, especially towards the deadline. I think that will be huge for their chances in the American league East, just a little more stability. It doesn't even have to be a top end guy. Just someone that again, can give you some really solid innings. Um, I'd be completely remiss if we didn't mention Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Because of how good he has been. We have to mention that on our Blue Jays specific episode. So, I mean, everything is basically way up this year. We talk about hard hit percentage, you know, barrel percentage, I don't know, base percentage is way up. He's even hitting over 300 right now. What have you seen that's been so different in him that has let, I, I, we know about all the potential that has let him kind of start to get there and really achieve what has made him such a highly touted prospect. Well, I think it's a couple of things. I think firstly, he he's a lot more patient at the plate. And, and, and I think that patience, I mean, his dad was like the antithesis of patience. Like yes. He would swing at everything, which, which was <laughs> exciting, but maybe not the best for, uh, you know, the, the best day in, day out. He was a Hall of Famer, though, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. But Vladdy Jr., you know, a lot more patient. You know, he, he isn't afraid to, you know, walk and get on base, which I think is very important, obviously. But I also just think, too, that, you know, the swing just looks better. I mean, it just it, it doesn't look forced. He's not as anxious at the play. He's, he's just swinging with a lot of confidence. And whenever he makes contact, it just sounds amazing. So <laughs> he's definitely doing that, you know, really well. And then I also think, too, that, you know, the weight was a big concern last yeah. year from, you know, a lot of, you know, people in, in, in Toronto and even with the team. And he came back and just looked a lot more athletic, a lot fitter. And, 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 and I think that's allowed him to just be, be just a better all-around player. And I think what doesn't get talked about enough is, I mean, we, we love – when he gets the home runs and, and and those hard hit balls, but his defense has been much improved. Like there, there was conversation. Well, is he going to play third? Is he going to, you know, play first? I think he's playing at first full time now. Like, I don't yeah. think, you know, why, why mess that up when, when Vlad's done such a good job at first base and, and like his splits have become like a part of, you know, r- you know, blue Jays lore now, like amongst fans just because it's so <laughs> fun to watch. So it's, it's, it's very exciting. 
And I, I again, I, you know, I, I, I may sound like a broken record, but it's going to get better. Like, if you think now is good, like, I just think there's even more potential there for him to just be one of the one of the one of, one of the top young players in this game. I, I think he already is. Like, I think this year we, we've definitely yeah. seen him emerge with the likes of a Tatis or a Ronald Acuna Jr. And I just think it's going to get better. And it's very exciting. Yeah. I was going to mention the defense, his footwork yeah. is yeah. insane. He is, yeah. ser- he is very underrated at first base. And I think it's just because Pat and I have talked about it so often since the baseball season started, you just need to give players some time to come up through the mm. system. And especially with somebody with expectations as high as his, with his father coming up through the system as quickly as he did, let him adjust, let him get fully into his first full season as a major leaguer. He lost the weight. Now he's comfortable at first and voila, the hitting's coming along like shocker. When you give a guy some time, it all comes together. I love what I'm seeing out of him. And I think that's what makes him Bichette Biggio when he comes along a little more Alejandro Kirk, even Nate Pearson, Alec Manoa, that is one of, if not the most exciting young cores in baseball. I have no problem saying that right now. Oh, no doubt. No, no, 100%. And I mean, I'm glad you hit that point about the expectations with Vladdy. Cause like, I remember like I, like I was at his first MLB game at Rogers center. And, and I, and I remember like the hype was unlike I'd ever seen with a right. young baseball player before. I mean, it was just, the, the hype was crazy. Like it was, it, it was, but the thing about baseball is unlike the other sports is you, you know, the patience is so key and like, it's not going to happen right away. It may take some time, but once it does happen, like it, it really is spectacular. And I just think for a lot of those young guys, it's just so fun. And, and they really like being around each other. I mean, Vladdy's, yeah. you know, always yeah. cracking a smile and just, you know, seems to be really a, a real great dugout clubhouse presence with, with just his energy and, I just think, as Charlie Montoyo says, like when one guy starts to hit, it becomes contagious throughout the entire lineup. And I think we're 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 seeing uh, that in full force right now with how well the Blue Jays are doing. Yeah, and it it really is one of the best constructed lineups and teams in the league because then you've got the presences of Springer and even Marcus Semien, who yeah. are the mentor figures and the postseason figures, and all of that together spells spells success to me. Yeah, it's a cool group. And to your point as well on his defense and the footwork at first base, I I believe actually there was a really awesome article. I think it was in The Athletic recently about his splits at first base and how far is and stretching for balls at first. They talked to they talked to ballerinas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic piece. Um, So it's so cool. And he deserves a lot of credit for because obviously we focus on the bat. But he has looked good over there at first base. And then I have one more question for you, Lucas, and I believe Emma has one more for you. you know, as we just talked about, Toronto's in good shape. You know, they're sitting there at 20 and 16 right now. They are going into a difficult stretch of schedule now. You know, the homes, they've got a homestand against the Phillies, Red Sox, and Rays, then have a road trip to at New York and then playing Cleveland, which Cleveland can't hit, but they pitch their way to victories almost every <laughs> night. You know, so I we know we're, they're dealing with injuries. Have the expectations been raised now going into a, a, a stretch like that, or is it still kind of tread water, kind of stay where you are and wait for these injuries to come back? I would say stay the course. 
first. Mm. I mean, because I think that the expectations are that this is going to be a team that's going to comp- compete for a playoff spot and how they've started, even with those injuries. I think there's no reason to deviate away from that. I think when you get a lot of those guys back and, and a healthy lineup, I think we're going to see what this, what this team has in store. But, you know, you got to really love what, what the Blue Jays have done against AL East opponents thus far. They're seven and four. I mean, four and two against the Yankees. They, they split the, the, the two-game series against the Red Sox, two and one against the Rays. So that's very positive for me. And if they continue to do that, they're going to compete for a playoff spot. So stay the course, enjoy this. And again, like I said earlier, it's going to get better. I mean, it, it, you know, it, and it'll be interesting to see once this team fully clicks what their potential is all made of. Yeah. yeah. And that leads me into my final question. I was going to say who, but I don't want to pigeonhole you. So I'll... <laughs> I'll open it up to what, but what is the biggest key for this team? Who, um, it's the pitching like, you know, and, and I know that that's such a cliche answer, but when you look at the teams that have won the world series, the last few years, that's what it comes down to at the end of the mm. day. And, and I remember it's not that long ago where the blue Jays made the playoffs 2015 and 16 and had dominant lineups that were just stymied. Stymie, like in the ALCS in 2015, they were three for 21 in runners in scoring position with that dominant lineup. So in a short series, the pitching is what matters. And I think we're, we're going to see what that pitching is made of. And hopefully in those big games, they, they deliver. I'm not that too concerned about the hitting. Like I think the, the way the hitting's progressing right now, it's on track to being one of the most dynamic offenses in baseball. But I do think that over the, the course of the season, if they do add a pitcher or two, I think they're going to be in, in good shape to, to make the playoffs. But then can these guys perform, right? Can they perform and can the depth pieces as well? Because we know how big bullpens are in the playoffs, specifically with starting pitchers not going as deep into games. Mm-hmm. If they can perform, I think it'll, it'll be great to see. But that's what, that's what I would say is the big question for this team. Even, even though the pitching's done well and it certainly exceeded my expectations, I think when it comes down to the bigger games, it'll be the big question mark for me in determining if this team can really have a, a, a deep playoff run. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And it's even more incredible that you were able to come up with those numbers right off the top of your head from 2015. That's insane. Oh, trust me, Emma. <laughs> I, I get reminded every day. I still think about that because I do think that if we were to beat the Kansas City Royals that year, we would have beaten Patrick's Mets in that oh, World Series. In 2015. <laughs> I, was, I was already beaten down once in that series. Please don't beat me down in a projected series. <laughs> no, it's true, though. I mean, the how many seasons in a row now have we seen Chris Sale come out of the bullpen to close the World Series? A yeah. starter come out of the bullpen. For some reason, I can't envision Ryu coming out of the bullpen to throw no. the last inning of a World Series. I'm but- worried, to be honest, Emma. I'm like, I'm a little bit concerned because Charlie Montoyo, Kevin Cash, they were in Tampa together. This Charlie Dew, Kevin Cash, Blake Snell. I mean, oh God. You know, who knows, right? Oh so that's, that's what I'm a little bit worried about, in my <laughs> yeah. opinion. I'll go even further and say that. I think a lot of the responsibility can fall on Robbie Ray specifically. And even, yeah. even Steven Matz, if he can solidify himself as a two, then at the deadline or even before, I'm kind of past the point where we have to wait to the deadline, this grand mm-hmm. event, before teams have to add somebody. Why not go out sooner? Pat and I were talking about it about the Dodgers. 
the Dodgers, it seemingly, it seems like they have 25 guys in the IL. Go out and get another hitter. Make sure you don't keep this slide going. Yeah. What's preventing the Blue Jays from going out and picking up a starter on a team that's not really competing like somebody like Matthew Boyd that I've been hearing a lot about. If Ryu and Ray are solidified as the one, two, you've got Matt as a nice three. You add somebody in as the four, the bullpen's healthy. Then that seems like a very well-constructed, solid lineup and rotation to go into the postseason. No, I agree. And, and you know what? And, and, and I'm a little bit greedy, Emma. Like, why don't maybe <laughs> get like a good, like, you know, 1A, 1B with like Ryu or someone else. Like that, yeah. you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm pushing it too much, but you know, we'll, we'll see. And that's, that's the beauty of the deadline. And and, and I have faith in, in, in what Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro are, are playing yeah, with this great. team. Like yeah. I think they've, you know, they've definitely marked this team on a, on a good path and, and we'll see what happens. It's crazy how spoiled we are with how good these pitching staffs are. Like Ryu is arguably the third or fourth best pitcher in the AL East. Yeah. And I would still qualify him as one of the best pitchers in the game. But yeah. it's just because you've got Colts, because you've got Tyler Glass now, I'd argue that me, maybe throw a Red Sox pitcher in there just because I'm a Red Sox fan. But still. Right. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. For sure. No. Awesome. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for coming on with us. We had an awesome time. Well, it's my pleasure, guys. And listen, um, enjoy the rest of the baseball season. It's going to be fun. And you know, we'd love to chat with you guys again down the home stretch when when it really gets exciting. Yeah. Pat and I argue about this all the time. I think it's already interesting. I think a month into the season, we should be checking things off. We got much less of this last year. This time we talked about at the beginning, this time last year, there was no hope and there was no baseball. (laughs) We put those things together and it's just sad. And now we've got baseball and people going outside, people going to games. It's awesome. But we would love to have you back on around competition time when the Blue Jays are making a push. That would be awesome. Yeah, no doubt. I'll, I'll be here. Thanks so much for having me, guys. No, of course. So you can find his podcast, We Sports Chronicles. Uh, so you can listen to him there. Follow him on Twitter at We Sports. And otherwise, make sure to subscribe to our show. Leave a rating as it really helps us out. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at did you hear pod but otherwise we are walking off the week bat flipping into the weekend emma that's a wrap